Hey everybody and welcome back to BRIM, a global community at the intersection of climate innovation and justice. Today, I'm very excited to bring a conversation to everyone with my old friend, Malik Sarek, a fellow city kid and um, a big inspiration for me as I've been thinking about how to carve my own way in the sustainability world. So, hope everyone enjoys. Thanks so much for being here. This is episode 13 of Brim. Take care, everybody. All right, awesome. Well, we're here today with Malik Sarek. And Malik is an old friend from the high school days back in New York City. Um, but the two of us have had a chance to, to reconnect. And um, we got together must have been late summer, late summer, early fall, 2021. Um, and I got to hear a little bit about what Malik is working on. And he gave me a tour of his place and his garden, which is gorgeous. And hopefully we'll hear a little bit about that today. But um, hey, Malik, what's going on? Thanks for being here. Yo, thank you for having me, Tia. Um, it's been a pleasure reconnecting with you. I mean, I think we hadn't spoken to each other in like at least eight years. <laughs> I think yeah. that's right. I think that's how it goes. And uh, it's uh, funny, our, our paths have really converged again. Um, so this is, you know, universe is telling us this is the right time to connect. I love it. Um, well, I, I know we have a lot of things we want to touch on. And, um, you know, I want to dig right in. But, um, you know, why don't, we, why don't we start off with a little bit about you? And if you don't mind, um, tell us a little bit about you family, where you come from, how you are working on what you're working on now. Um, and we can dive into to all the other goodies too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, like you, I grew up in Manhattan. Um, I grew up in Kipps Bay. Um, and so had a very little exposure um, to nature and, and plants. I think, you know, pretty standard for a city kid. Um, you know, both my parents actually came from somewhat of agricultural backgrounds. My mom grew up on a farm. Uh, her dad at one time owned 10,000 chickens. They raised show dogs. They had horses, ducks, um, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Um, 10,000 chickens? 10,000 chickens. Yeah, they, they did. Um, they, they, he was raising chickens from basically birth up until they were ready to get sold for, for meat, um, which was pretty wow. Yeah, about there two two sessions in a two six month sessions per year, um, and then my 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 father's from Bosnia, um, and so he grew up in Sarajevo. But they had a small place in Butmir, which is the countryside outside Sarajevo. Uh, my grandfather was an award winning beekeeper um, and kept a garden his whole life. Um, and so both of these kind of sent my these experiences sent my parents away from the country and into the city. Um, they wanted to have that cosmopolitan urban experience and uh, they brought their kids up in that. Um, and I'm very lucky, you know, uh, I come from a relatively privileged background. So my family was able to have a second home out in, in Pennsylvania um, where we'd spend weekends and summers. Um, and my mom did a lot of gardening there and she has a wonderful ornamental garden, but I really was, you know, allergic to dirt and mud and, you know, anything that was, that was really dirty. Um, you were allergic like yeah, actually just, allergic? no no I just just <laughs> simply wasn't interested okay got um 
no, it, it, you know, which is really a shame. Um, I had, you know, this, these amazing resources, uh, you know, at my disposal, I just wasn't taking advantage of them. Um, and this is something I think about a lot now, you know, how do we get kids interested in, in nature and, and the environment ecology, um, you know, and, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but for me, you know, I, I went to, I went to school up in Ithaca, I went to Cornell and studied English there. Um, and from that, uh, taught English at a high school in California for two years afterwards. Um, and the most important thing about that experience was actually the exposure to agriculture um, and nature. Um, I did a couple of cross-country road trips back and forth, um, a couple of them by myself, just me and my dog at the time, uh, camping the whole way. Um, so that was really just, you know, diving headfirst into, into really, you know, living on the land. And, um, I also, I, I ate at Chez Panisse, uh, Alice Waters restaurant in Berkeley, which was, you know, one of the first restaurants of the slow food movement. I read her book, um, kind of how her, how her restaurant was part of this larger social justice um, and political movement. You know, at the time it was, I mean, it was kind of, you know, anti-Vietnam and it, uh, but it was kind of wrapped up in these larger, you know, this larger sphere of, of social justice and access. Um, and I had a coworker a teacher that I worked with who lived in Richmond with me and uh, which is, you know, in which is, uh, a pretty tough city, very poor city. Um, but he had this same exact uh, house that, that I was living in pretty much the same size and had this, basically this permaculture garden. He had, he had four chickens in his backyard. Uh, he had a compost system. He had multiple raised beds. He had bees. Um, he was making his own honey, taking the honey. He was making mead. He was making beer. Um, He's just doing all these kinds of fun projects. He, you know, he, he was doing all kinds of woodworking. He built a whole chicken coop himself. I mean, everything in the garden he had built. And uh, I just realized that like that was that was the direction that I wanted to go. And I saw this guy, and I was like, "This is my model. How do I how do I do this?" So, um, so I, I left. I came back to New York. Um, I saved some money to to plan to travel for six months and do actually a lot of what you were doing. Um, I was I was gonna backpack in Europe. Um, I was gonna woof. Um, and really, you know, get my hands dirty and start to get some experience. And this was, you know, March of 2020. So, uh, great timing, Malik. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was there for about six weeks, six, seven weeks. I had an amazing time. And then, um, you know, my parents called me at two o'clock in the morning. They're like, listen, Trump said you can't come back to the U S in three days. So you better get on a plane. Um, but you know, so all of that was obviously really unfortunate. Um, you know, I kind of came back with no job, no, no future plans. Uh, you know, the economy is terrible. Everything is terrible. But, uh, you know, it was kind of the perfect, at the same time, it really felt like a regeneration. It was time to start something new. And uh, I was looking for work that would get me outside. You know, that was the safest thing to do. Um, so uh, I got involved with a private gardener, this guy, um, Jay Jones with Jay Gardens. He's uh, an exceptional um, home garden, home like um, landscaper and uh, takes care of home private gardens in, in Brooklyn. Um, and, and I just really did it, you know, that's kind of what you were doing, weeding, uh, maintenance, planting, pruning, uh, propagating, you know, and, and, uh, within six months, I really, I, I learned a, a tremendous amount. And, and since then it's just kind of springboarded me on my, on, uh, on this direction. So after that, I worked for Smallhold. Um, it's the, uh, indoor organic uh, mushroom farming operation uh, started in Brooklyn. Uh, they supply uh, a number of Whole Foods uh, in the Northeast and the, the kind of mid-Atlantic region and a lot awesome. of 
a lot of the area in, in Texas as well. Um, they're also, you can find them at the farmer's markets in New York City. Um, and then currently I work for uh, the Horticultural Society of New York, which is a nonprofit that does uh, landscaping and public spaces for the city. Awesome. Well, I feel like since, since I got back from volunteering on the garden in Chile, we've had some, we've bonded over the process of weeding. So yeah. <laughs> um, and if you haven't had a chance to get your, your hands dirty and um, in a garden, um, it's definitely been one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in a long time. And, you know, I think one of the motivating factors of me going off and, and seeking that out was actually visiting your garden mm. um, and seeing how passionate you were about it. Um, you know, and you also talk very eloquently about sort of the intersection of, of gardens and, and cities and, and justice, which I, I heard you, I wanna get back to this, the slow food movement um, mm. because I, I actually don't know a lot about that. And I, I think it would be interesting, but maybe to start, um, can you describe your home garden for sure. us? Sure. So uh, I live in Bushwick. Um, I live on the ground floor an apartment of like a duplex, basically. Um, and so in the front is a parking space that's gated in. Um, and everyone just parks their cars. Uh, my roommate and I, we don't have a car. Um, so I basically retrofitted the whole thing into a garden. Um, every, pretty much everything in that space has been refurbished or recycled, found on the street. Um, all kinds of, you know, old tables and dressers. Um, I had a sink that I, that somebody was throwing out that I put in the corner and filled up with soil and, and planted morning glories in, and they grew awesome. along the iron fence. Um, I built, I, the one thing I did build was a, a four by eight by one foot raised bed um, that I filled with soil and a bunch of the mushroom compost actually from Smallhold. And I actually had mushrooms popping out of the cracks in the entire summer. Um, mushrooms that were bigger than we had ever grown them in the, in, in the, the, uh, the growing chambers. Um, it, I mean, it was out of control. Um, and so in that, I planted a ton of vegetables um, and as well as in some, some pots as well. And then everything that I planted, I started from seeds. So I either started indoors um, under UV lights about six to eight weeks before, uh, or I planted directly in the garden. Um, and so I had you know, a ton of different herbs, parsley, cilantro, sage, rosemary, thyme. Um, I was doing lettuce and spinach, kale. Uh, I had peas and green beans, uh, a bunch of different kinds of peppers and tomatoes. Um, I was doing a bunch of flowers too. I did some zinnias, sunflowers, morning glories, did nasturtium. Um, and it was, it basically just became a jungle. I mean, the whole, you know, it was, you people would walk by on the street and they just get like, taken aback. Like what the hell is going on in here? Um, you know, because people don't expect to, you know, turn in the city and, and, and see such a profusion of green. Um, and, you know, most of it, it costs very little because almost everything was, you know, just, can, you know, any container you can really fashion into a pot, you know, whether you put a hole in it or not, um, you know, you can literally take buckets and fill them with soil. Um, you know, I had nasturtium growing out of old Nike blazers that I hung from my fence. Um, you know, old Cafe Bustelo cans. I had citronella growing in them. Um, so, you know, it was it was really, a you know, an eclectic hodgepodge of things. Also things that I was rescuing from work, um, sweet potato vines and coleus and uh, 
um, you know, chrysanthemums in the fall. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I remember the bag of goodies you sent me home with, including the pepper that you did not warn me was going to be the spiciest thing I've ever had in my entire life. Look, word to the wise is, uh, you know, really mark, mark what you're planting because you forget <laughs> and suddenly you, you don't know what you're working with. I had a spiritual experience <laughs> from one of Malik's peppers, but um, awesome. Well, I look forward to being back there. And mm -hmm. um, so how, how did you learn how to do that? I mean, I, I think that's mm. one of my biggest questions. Um, you know, you, you met this guy out on the West Coast who became mm -hmm. sort of this, this pillar or this North Star in your mind. But mm -hmm. how do you go from there to, um, you know, what steps, what steps can I take to, to get yeah. something like that rolling? So I think, you know, obviously working at a professional level is just, is the, probably the best way because you just need a lot of hours and you need the resources and the space to be able to actually, you know, work with a lot of different kinds of plants and be there every single day to see them change from day to day. Um, you know, and, and, and having a mentor, most importantly, somebody who just knows a lot and, and wants to share. But I, I should have added, actually, before I worked with Jay, um, I was with my mom and my brother out in Pennsylvania for a little bit. Um, uh, and my mom wanted to start a vegetable garden. She never did one before because she had always been away during the week. So it wasn't really practical. And now she was really going to spend a lot of time there. Um, and, you know, she didn't really know much either, not my brother or me. So we kind of all figured it out as we went along. Um, she did a little bit of the planning, but when it came to actually building the garden, you know, my brother and I, we were in the forest, you know, literally carrying fallen trees out of the forest and laid them down to make raised beds. All of the soil we took from the, the, the local dump where people kind of dumped their leaves, they had all completely composted. And so we, we took that, we, we filled up my pickup truck uh, like would shovel it in, completely fill the bed, unload it, you know, fill in the raised beds. Uh, my mom had compost um, set up already from her other garden. So we were using that, some potting soil as well. Um, and then, you know, my mom, you know, it was a little bit of with Google, basically, you know, you figure out when to, when to start seeds. Yep. So we started, you know, I mean, we had, you know, dozens of tomato seedlings, you know, and, and pepper seedlings indoors, like, like completely out of control. Um, like every surface of, of the house was, was covered in, in plastic cups. Um, awesome. And so, you know, doing that for a few weeks, even just, and, and learning how to, you know, transplant things and, mm -hmm. you know, that's when you learn, oh, tomatoes, you know, you can bury them deeper, you know, pinch off the bottom leaves, bury them deeper in soil because, you know, they grow out of adventitious roots uh, or, you know, kale and peas, you put them right in the ground, even when it's cold, they like it when it's a little bit cold, you know, little things like that. Um, so, you know, having, having my, my mom as a mentor, then having Jay as a mentor, and then my mom and I, you know, we continually correspond about our gardens. Um, you know, we share things with each other, we share stories and pictures. And, and so, you know, finding people in your life who are also doing this that you can geek out with and, and learn things from. Awesome. Um, well, you're definitely on my list of people to geek out with about whatever garden I built. Um, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hope you don't mind. I've, I've automatically enlisted you in that relationship. Of course. Of course. <laughs> awesome. You also mentioned to me that you're, um, you're taking some classes at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens, right? Yes. 
Okay. So the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, most botanic gardens offer this, um, some uh, like a horticultural certificate program. Um, so at BBG, it's eight courses. Um, I think it comes out to about $3,000 probably by the end. And uh, right now they're online. I think they're switching to in-person again. Um, but so I did an urban garden design class in a couple of months. I'm doing a kind of botany for horticulturalists class. They have one on soil, uh, you know, woody perennials, tree identification, all kinds of, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, in, in that vein though, uh, I have a, we just hired a gardener. She went to SUNY Morrisville, which is a small SUNY in upstate New York. Uh, and they have a pretty intensive agriculture and horticulturalist program there. And that's also, if, if people are looking to get involved, I, I didn't know about this, but it, it's, it, she's exceptionally knowledgeable. Her, she was there for three semesters and the amount of knowledge and hands-on experience that she got uh, really blew my mind. Um, if people are looking for a little bit more serious pathway, then, you know, kind of just the, the botanic garden or yeah. kind of cert certificate, that's a, a really interesting path to take as well. Cool. Well, maybe after this conversation, we can put together some notes and put together almost like a, a guide for resources if, if people are hoping to, to learn more or, or get into it. Um, yes. And that's how that would be helpful because, uh, you know, a lot of people are like me that, that I meet in the field who, you know, have had a previous career and are looking to switch um, for one reason or another, and they're not quite sure how to how to get started. Awesome. Let's let's make that happen. Um, and, you know, one of the books that I've been reading um, that I'm sure you have either read or know about, but it's uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer and Braiding of Sweetgrass. Course. Of course. Yeah, I just told so to my mom for Christmas. Did you? Okay, That's cool. for her birthday. It was given. It was given to me by Jay as a Christmas gift when we nice. finished our season together. Awesome. Um, I cannot recommend that book highly enough. So I, I just, I finished it while I was working on the garden, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a special experience to be able to read that while I was, you know, working with my hands in the soil. Um, but one of the things that she she writes that really struck me was that if you're looking to get into the world of sustainability in some way mm -hmm. and you're searching for what that avenue is start a garden <laughs> and yeah. i love that i love that because it's it's something simple that you can get your head around but um you know you don't have to be you know a software developer building an app that is the new next climate technology or you know you don't have to be a phd student um, you know, in biology, even, you know, you, you can start a garden and she weaves that into some amazing narratives about social justice, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ways to impact community just beyond sort of greening the neighborhood or mm -hmm. thinking about sustainability. Um, so I'm curious on your, your, your thoughts on that too, because I, I know a lot of your, your work has been, you know, with kids and education, um, you know, you mentioned sort of how, how do we get kids excited about ecology mm -hmm. and the land? And um, so I, I guess that's a vague question, but um, you know, how, how do you view gardens, I guess, as a centerpiece in, let's say, social justice in a city? Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can start there. So I think I think one of the best examples is, Al, is Alice Waters, going back to her, the, the woman who started Chez Panisse. So uh, she then started, um, oh my God, it was called the, the uh, oh no, how am I forgetting the name? The, 
edible it's the the edible it's like the edible playground or the edible edible schoolyard edible schoolyard cool um so she partnered with this uh middle school in berkeley i think it's mlk um where they have a garden a, fu a fully functioning garden back there um and they do after school programs or in school programs with kids to come and actually do you know workshops as, as part of their learning um and you know i think the biggest thing is like the kids need to eat what they're working with. Um, they mm. need to see how delicious food is when you eat it, when it's freshly picked. Um, and that was, that was one of the, 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 the things that really got me into this kind of thinking about, um, you know, horticulture, agriculture, and social justice, especially around kids, because the population that I worked with was just, you know, very underserved. Uh, the reality is they're very poor. Um, and, you know, I would see the kind of things that they're eating at school. The school lunch was terrible. You know, they were basically, you know, drinking Arizonas and eating Takis like every single day. Um, and, you know, if you know how to cook and work with simple foods, it's actually very cheap to feed yourself and it's very nutritious and it saves you money down the line because you're healthy. You don't have to worry about certain kinds of diseases or injuries. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, how how to get kids eating correctly, you know, and I think teaching kids not only how to grow their own food, but prepare their own food is really empowering. And it's fun. I mean, cooking is, I find cooking very fun. I know a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, find it totally. tedious. And, um, but, uh, you know, when you pair it with, you know, a community as well, a community activity, you know, feeding, eating with your friends or feeding your family, um, you know, then it takes on a much more, you know, almost spiritual uh, significance. Um, you know, we're returning to the kinds of things that, that the earliest experiences that, that we've had as humans, which is, you know, eating together, right? Um, I think, you know, the yeah. meal really is sacred. Um, it's, it, it really is a sacred experience. Um, so I think, you know, and, and to build on that also, just building hands-on learning, um, into schools because you know as we all remember we sit and a lot of we spend a lot of time in school sitting at desks you know listening or reading or writing and there's not a lot of movement um and there are a lot of kids who are kinesthetic learners by default especially kids who you know have ADD um they need to be moving they they don't they don't learn things as well if they're not doing something with their hands and so working in gardens working with food um and and using their whole bodies it it is actually necessary for them to learn. And it ties the theoretical knowledge into something experiential, which they can make meaning from and make uh, applications for into their own lives. They can make connections. Um, so it, it's just a much more holistic approach towards learning um, that, that our schools are really sorely missing. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, food quality. Mm -hmm. What's more important than that? Um, healthy food and... Yeah, I think there's also that um, the community aspect to it as well, which can be really powerful, like you said, in terms of sharing a meal. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm also reading right now um, is a book by Melissa Checker. Shout out to Melissa. But she teaches up at um, the CUNY School at uh, Queens College um, oh, a University. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of her pushback on sustainability. Well, first of all, the book is called the sustainability myth mm -hmm. um, and it centers on the concept of environmental gentrification 
actually, um, and the politics of justice, as she calls it. Um, and she talks a lot about how sustainability, if if used in the wrong ways, can be used as a as a tool to increase um, rent in a neighborhood, uh-huh. right? And actually move a lot of people out of a neighborhood, you know, even if they're just trying to create healthy food in their communities. So it's an interesting concept. Um, and I'm, I'm still working my way through it, but it seems like gardening has to be one of the ways that we reverse a lot of that equation, right? And, and bringing it back to the community coming together, um, owning the land that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to, to speak. Actually, I'm speaking with Melissa soon. So we'll, oh, we'll find amazing. out more answers to that. But I think if we can figure out a way to, to build gardening into our social justice missions um, in the right ways, that would be an absolute game changer. It's just, if I could add to that, sure, um, yeah. I, I, I watched, I think it's a Vox video recently um, about the history of community gardens in, in New York. Yeah. There's a concept, I think they, 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 the way that they kind of function today in a lot of cities are really from New York. Um, and it focuses on, on the importance of community gardens, especially in uh, underserved areas. Um, many of them are manned by immigrants who are able to bring, you know, a lot of you know, flavors and plants that are endemic to where they're from here. And so mm-hmm. in that way, it's empowering because it helps them kind of establish their roots. And many of them use it for the restaurants that they run, um, which just increases the quality of the of the service that they're providing. Um, it also just, you know, when people can get involved in community gardens, it, it really is empowering um, in that it disconnects them more from these kinds of large supply chains uh, that, that move food and resources to them. Um, it gives them a sense, it gives people a sense of control, um, as well as a, as a connection to things that are, you know, bigger than all of us. Um, yeah. So I, psychologically, I think, uh, I, I agree. The garden is a place where we can, you know, we can kind of operate outside of maybe some of these larger socioeconomic or political forces. Cool. And I think that that really leads me to my next and maybe even final question. We can keep this short and sweet, but thinking about ways that sustainability in the city is evolving. Yeah, you know, I, I think that you, you've had the incredible um, privilege to work around the city on different types of gardens in mm-hmm. all five boroughs, as you told me. Um, and I'm curious where you think you could see sustainability going. Um, you know, we see a lot of urban greening, um, you know, rooftop gardens, rooftop solar energy. Um, you know, I'm curious, w- w- based on your experience and what you've seen happening around us, mm-hmm. um, w- what's your instinct on all of that and where, where it's going in the future? I feel like probably and, and um, probably the future is uh, things like the Brooklyn Grange. Um, and I'm sure you're familiar with them. You've, you've come, come across them. Um, tell, tell us a little bit more about them though. Yeah. So the Brooklyn Grange, I believe started in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. They've expanded to a number of other sites. I think they have one in Sunset Park. They just launched one in the Javits Center. 
Um, and their idea is to repurpose massive industrial rooftops uh, into fully functioning agricultural farms. So they're growing, uh, I mean, they're really market gardens. They're growing uh, all kinds of plants that they're taking to farmers markets. Um, they're, I think, often selling directly to the community. Um, they're providing educational opportunities to do for people to come and do workshops and to you know get involved in the kind of space. Um, they're sequestering a ton of carbon, obviously, and diverting a lot of rainwater, which is a huge issue in the city because our sewer system and our, our just our, our drains, uh, when our drains overflow, it just combines with the sewers. And that kind of just all has one outflow. Um, and so our sewage doesn't get processed properly. Um, so diverting uh, rainwater runoff is really, really a critical issue that our cities are trying to to work through. Um, so establishing more green spaces on roofs also just brings down the general heating costs and cooling costs for these yep. buildings. Um, and it's, you know, we were talking about permaculture a little bit, you know, one of the central principles of permaculture is stacking. Um, so how can we make multiple spaces or multiple functions, you know, have, have as many uses as possible? Um, and so I feel like, you know, we need to bring food closer to, the closer to the people that are consuming it, especially in cities. Um, there's this amazing, I don't know if you if you're familiar with Barbara Kingsolver. Um, she's, no, a, she's a novelist. Sorry. She's a novelist, um, but she has her master's in biology from the University of Arizona. Um, and she just all of her books deal with themes of nature um, and, and often agriculture in some way. She also has this amazing book, Animal Vegetable Miracle, where her family moves to uh, I want to say West Kentucky, I think, somewhere in Appalachia. And they basically spend a year long experiment only eating food that they grew or they know exactly who grew it. Mm. Um, it it's, it's, I, would, I would highly recommend reading it. Um, but one of her most famous novels, Poisonwood Bible, uh, these missionaries go and visit, uh, they're in the Congo. And you know, one of the things they notice is that you know, kind of everyone is growing food everywhere. And one of the, the daughters and the main characters is speaking to one of the young men who, who kind of lives in the tribe there. And, and she's explained to him like how they get food. You know, in America, they grow in these big farms in the South and in the West, and then they ship them in these trucks, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles to the cities. And he's like, that's insane. Why would you do that? You know, he's like, it's so far, the food's not gonna be fresh. What happens if something happens to the road? You know, just to him that the concept is completely inane. And it's something that we've really just, you know, we, we take for granted that, you know, their food just shows, shows up in the supermarket and that's it. Um, and so, you know, bringing the food as close to us as possible at scale uh, and in a way that is cost-effective as well. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges right now is just that the food is not really affordable to everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, working at Smallhold, you know, I mean, it's great. They're looking for this alternative, uh, protein alternative to meat. Um, they're doing it locally. Um, and, you know, my mushrooms are obviously wonderful. All, all the compost then gets reused and sent to farms or whatever. But, you know, if you go to Whole Foods and you try to buy their mushrooms, you know, you just simply can't unless you make a lot of money. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're still trying to break through that, 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 that cost issue. Um, but you know, yeah, and he healthy food is reserved for the upperly mobile and um, you know financially supported in a lot right. of ways too. Yeah, which is ironic because growing food is actually very cheap. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. 
you know, and, and, and like what Robin Walkimer says, you know, anyone can start a garden. Um, in the city, obviously, you know, outdoor growing space is at a premium. Um, so, you know, creating more spaces, more common spaces where people can, can you know, really use these effectively is, is critical. Awesome. Well, I know one of the projects I'm really excited about the potential of, and maybe who knows, this this might get squashed by New York City, <laughs> just as we're getting excited about it, but um, is the concept of, of a community garden and, and sustainability hub um, close to where we actually went to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking to start something, um, a garden for yourself or a garden for the community, um, I'm going to offer up your, your advice, Malik, if you're okay with that, but, uh, you know, let's, let's definitely make those connections happen because, um, if you've been listening to Malik this time, um, over this time, let's, let's get gardening. <laughs> um, the best thing you can do is just, just get out there and start, you know, touch soil. Awesome. All right, Malik, appreciate your time, friend. And, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm continue to be excited to hear, you know, about all of your experiences as you travel, as you meet new people, I'll be following along and, uh, I look forward to being in touch. Awesome. Take care. Bye, right, bro. If you made it this far, thank you so much for making this conversation a part of your day. Um, We are actually getting close to the end of season one for Brim. So look out for some announcements from us over the next few days here uh, to give everyone a sense of where we've been, where we're at now, and where we plan to go. Thanks again, everybody, so much, and have a great rest of your day.